stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to the Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's associate stock strategist, Ryan McQueenie, to discuss social media stocks. Hello. Happy Hi, to be Ryan. Here. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever really just covered social media on the Market Edge before, which is kind of strange. You would have thought by now we would have talked about Inevitably, it at some point. Yeah. yeah. You've got Quite, quite a few episodes under your belt. I so. know. So it's kind of weird. Um, maybe because I just take the social media area for granted about, you know, what's going on there. But now with all this Facebook chaos and issues about privacy and all these other stuff, they're back in the spotlight. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And especially about investors. Should I own these? Um, is Are they doomed, Ryan? Like, those are the kind of questions I do get, like, out there on social media, on Twitter and stock twits. I get these questions like, should I sell my Facebook? What's going on? And then it's not even just the American companies. I think this is what's kind of getting lost in some of the focus on Facebook right now is that... Things are going on in social media over in China, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you're invested in any of the social media stocks over there because you're like, oh, it's a sure thing and what could go wrong? Well, some some things are happening over there, too, that I feel like investors should be aware of. Some of the risks, but maybe, you know, some of the good things that are still maybe to come with a lot of these companies. So let's discuss the U.S. first, okay. I feel, because everybody's familiar with that story. Yeah. So Facebook, let's just start there, I guess. Yeah, let's start with that. Because this is a really interesting example of the, this uh, data privacy scandal, if you want to call it that. Let's call it a scandal. Yeah. Um, going back to the, the Cambridge Analytica story, which I feel like started to emerge three or four weeks ago at this point. Yeah. And then it kind of snowballed with Zuckerberg in front of Congress. Obviously, that's going to make a lot of headlines. But I find it a really interesting story because... There are so many instances where there is a public PR type of scandal or a public PR issue for a company where it might cause a little bit of investor hesitation, but in reality, there probably actually isn't that much of an effect on the business at all. I think a good example would be the Starbucks incident from over the weekend where the uh, an employee at one location called the cops on two black men who were just sitting there and they ended up getting arrested. And This is in Philadelphia. Yeah, the CEO ends up apologizing. That's obviously an isolated incident. It's not really speaking to anything Starbucks is doing with their business model, but it grabs headlines. Their right. PR department has a rough Monday morning, and that's obviously a story that people are interested in. Um, but as an investor, you can kind of shrug that off because like, that's not going to have a huge impact on the business. I did have to say on that, on that topic on Monday, I am a Starbucks investor and I did look at the stock to see if it was getting impacted. Right. And it wasn't. Because, <laughs> because you know, it's, a, it's one incident at uh, one location, right? Yeah. But in this, this Facebook PR scandal, we're talking about something that could legitimately have a serious impact um, from an investor's perspective in, in a multitude of different reasons. And I think, um, you know, on, on our side of the media world where we're covering things from how investors see them. We've we've had a lot of different angles to touch on this. And it's been very interesting. Yeah. One thing I noticed, um, everybody knows 
that there's creepy things that happen when you're on some of these sites, right? Yeah. Um, even it's been like that forever, even on Google. Like everybody used to wonder, like, why is this ad, you know, the same a clothing that I just was on their website. Why am I getting a, you know, a gap ad in my email now? Oh, wait, because they know <laughs> Google is tracking that, yeah. but it never seemed to bother anybody before. It, it, but in, now it is. Yeah. Let's actually take it a step further than doesn't bother some people. A lot of people really like it. It's, it's a, yeah. it works for a reason because I, you know, I, I want uh, banner ads are annoying, but banner ads are a little bit less annoying if they're hyper relevant to things I'm interested in. So, right. That's true. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this, I think it, it pulled back the curtain a little bit more. Um, and, and I think more so than just what happened with Cambridge Analytica, the, the curtain was pulled back because all of a sudden started, people started taking a closer look. So Yeah, don't you think there's a difference, too, between Google using their own data that way? They're selling the ads to the outside people, but there's still like Google ads that are being targeted at me. Yeah. But I feel like some of the stuff that's happening with Facebook is they're actually selling that data to the outsiders. Yeah. So for some reason, I don't mind having letting Facebook have all my data, Facebook itself. Yeah. But I mind it when they sell it to someone I don't know who and all my data is going to them. So for instance, this just happened to me recently. I was looking around for um, concerts over the summer and I happened upon a website that handles all the concerts and you can buy tickets on there. But that website was on their Facebook page. So I clicked on it on Google, went to their Facebook page, was looking around, decided, man, these concert dates are going to work for me. And I closed out of that. Mm -hmm. And literally about 20 minutes later in my emails mm -hmm. comes an email from the Facebook page I was just on. Yeah. And I was like, how did they get my email? I didn't give it to them. Yeah. But clearly I was on Facebook, their Facebook page. I was signed into Facebook. Yes, which so, your email is which my, linked Yes, to. is linked yeah. to. So somehow they have a deal with Facebook to get the emails of anyone who comes on there and looks around at tickets. Right. So, but I didn't give consent for that, but they're, they're obviously most likely selling it to this company. You didn't, yeah, you didn't explicitly give right. consent for that transaction to right. happen, but by using Facebook, exactly, you did give consent That's right. because you probably scrolled right through of the course. terms and conditions as yes. everyone did. And that's... That's what I think it is. Is it's a was a little bit of an ignorance is bliss thing. Yes. Because uh, now we're starting to learn what exactly is in those terms and conditions. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it turns out maybe some people might start reading those now. I right. Don't know. Right. Um, let's talk about another part of Facebook, though, because everybody's concerned about all of this impacting, you know, their revenue and all that stuff because they might have to make some changes, obviously, if they can't sell certain things to these other outsiders, yes. that might mean less revenue, right? It, and on that point as well, I think the other key question for in investors is, are they going to face any sort of regulatory pressure, whether it be right. a new law that they have to comply with that's going to cause headwinds for the business or a fine of some sort right. if there was an infraction at any point? Right. Obviously, it could have an impact on the bottom line. And they've well. also said, and they've made this very clear over the last couple of quarters even, that they have to hire thousands of people in order exactly. to monitor. Yeah, and, they really already have been yeah. doing that. Their headcount. In last year was crazy high. So. Yeah, so that's a huge cost too that's going to the bottom line. But another thing that Facebook owns that most people aren't aware of, I don't know why this is such a secret, but it's the reason I bought Facebook stock a couple of years ago and it's for Instagram. Yeah. So they own that. Yeah. 
It's kind of. Um, they I was reading like a billion dollars for it way back in the day. They did. They only had what thirteen employees. I thought it was absurd at the time. I will say this. I, I was like, they are nuts. Thirteen employees, some stupid photo sharing thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I called it that stupid photo sharing thing. Um, but um, a few years after that, I realized, like, you know, <laughs> I, I was stupid. Yeah, this is going to be huge, and I want to own Facebook for Instagram. So now. Um, Bloomberg Magazine just did a really good article on Instagram because it doesn't get much PR. They kind of keep to themselves and keep quiet, but they're approaching the billion user level now. Um, It's a worldwide phenomenon. People love it. Their demographics are younger than Facebook. All of my nieces and nephews who are teenagers are on it all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, that's all good. And according to the, the Bloomberg Business Week article, 18% 18% of Facebook's total revenue now is from Instagram. So that's that's not chopped liver no, it either. Isn't. No, that's and it's chunk. still growing. So there's a couple interesting things that I feel like Instagram has done that is different, that makes it different from Facebook. And you, you get that from reading the Bloomberg article. But one of them is um, that they initially were going to put some kind of share button on, on it. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the one guy who wanted to do it was overridden by everybody else and they decided not to go through with it. So now as it is, you cannot say like you can on Twitter, oh, I'm liking this and it, whatever I like goes into your feed. Now um, it keeps it much more of a closed universe. So you have more control over what you see and it makes it harder for trolls to like get in your feed basically. Yeah, And that's kept it, I feel um, a little bit... Um, not sheltered from some of these issues that we're finding on some of the other sites, but it certainly could help them in the future. Yeah. Um, I also think when you look at the platform, there's, this might sound like an arbitrary thing too. There's, there's like less dependency on words. Right. And so there's, there's less of an opportunity for the troll farms to get in there and, and have an impact because, it it's kind of like a that tacky cliche of like a picture's worth a thousand words. It, it's much easier to understand and communicate with yeah. something and believe in something when you're seeing it. Yeah. So when it's pictures that you're that are sharing between people primarily that you know or know of, it's a little bit harder to infiltrate right. that with false information and trolling and, and exactly. whatnot. I'm choosing who to follow and what I see yes. on there. No one else is choosing it, for me. And it really does feel more like what Facebook was originally supposed to be about, which is sharing moments in, in pictures and videos with my friends and family. Right. And interacting with them in that context. Yeah. So It's interesting that you say, you know, it's much more about the picture than the words because in the article, the two founders said they purposely did it like that so that you could connect with people worldwide. So even if you spoke a different language, obviously you don't, it doesn't matter what your language is when you see a photograph. Yeah. I'm like, as we're talking about this, pulling up my Instagram app, because now I want to like double check how the, the, the structure of it is, but outside of your own feed which you are choosing who to follow. Uh, they have an explore tab and you can, you know, I'm as soon as I touch it, I'm looking at uh, things, pictures from people I don't know who were at Coachella this past weekend, um, 
likely because they know I'm interested in music and whatnot. Okay. I'm looking at the the live story for Chicago, is it, so it knows my it knows location. Here. Yeah. Um, looking at you know uh, celebrity stuff that's related to celebrities I follow. Okay. Um, so it's like kind of tailored to me, but it's my option to interact right. with people or things I might not know about yet. Right. But it's not shoved in your face and put on on there like the other social media, like Twitter. Yeah. I'm sending what I think is relevant out to my feed, but it shows up in the feeds of everyone who follows me. And they have no choice but to see what I put out there. They can unfollow me if they're annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, no, Tracy, we don't want to hear about, you know, the blizzard in, in <laughs> Wisconsin ever again. And yeah. so they can unfollow me. But it is like that's the more intrusive part of the Twitter or Facebook experience versus Instagram. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, Instagram had had a privacy moment, and I forgot about this, but it was brought up in that Bloomberg article. Um, just after they were bought out by Facebook, they had to change their terms of usage because they just had this super generic one because they only had 13 employees. They, like, copied it off the web or something. Yeah. So the Facebook lawyers kind of came in there and are like, man, we need to come up with something new. And um, you might not remember this, but... There was a big to-do because in the initial terms, it said that Facebook, which owns Instagram, um, owned all the photos on there. And then everybody was like, what do you mean you own my photos? And everybody was freaking out. And so the founders were like, what? We didn't really mean it like that. It's just what Facebook told us to do. So then they they took it out. And then it's been kind of quiet ever since, but it's still kind of unclear who actually owns everything that's on that platform. Like Instagram has never really confirmed or denied that they own it or you own it or what happens. Well, you have to think about that, too, as its usefulness as a as a professional outlet for audio and visual professionals. So it's a great platform if you're a photographer. It's a heck of a platform for sharing your for sure. actual work. Yes. Um, so that that would be a concern, especially for people who are, are con- concerned about monetizing what yeah. they put on that. There's a lot of people who make a living off of Instagram now. Definitely. Way more outside of just because they take pictures and videos. And right. More so because of their their status as an Instagrammer and right. how you're able to cash in on that, which yeah. is kind of a different part of this equation. Right. Um the influencer lifestyle, which is very prevalent on Instagram. Yeah. But I'm not sure, you know, if I'm not sure Facebook is really ca- able to cash in on the fact that that's happening. I mean, if I'm, if I'm a, if I have my exercise Instagram and I have 150,000 followers and I'm getting paid to post sponsored posts by a protein shake yeah. company, that's just my business. Facebook's not really cashing in on that or getting a, 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 a stream of that. So. Right. But they may be able to, because they'll put those ad posts in there if you become big enough, right? Yeah. Or that's maybe, where the yeah. revenue comes from. Yeah. For them. Or maybe they'll, maybe that's another option going forward is to open a, their own kind of like tools yeah. platform to generate those types of relationships like a, like a YouTube does more of where it kind of can, can connect you with advertisers. Yeah. Um, now, what do you think about Facebook as a stock then? Would you still buy it here? I still own it, by the way. So I didn't. I didn't panic or sell it or anything. I don't know because I mean, your basic investment philosophy says if I don't, if nothing for me changed about the fundamental 
future of the business. Yeah, we have to watch the revenues and all of that, earnings, see what happens. Right, but so if nothing changed there, if I truly believe that nothing actually changed there, then this volatility is just a buying opportunity. I should be loading up on more, right? Um, And I guess that comes to where I am unsure because I think there are now for the first time some questions about the business model, not right. just for Facebook, but for really any advertised internet. Well, let's talk about company. that with Twitter. Yeah. What and about them? Would you own Twitter stock? I used to own Twitter stock a little bit. I didn't buy the IPO. Then it fell way down. I bought some, but I was like, man, I held it for a while. I want to say like a year, year and a half. And then they still weren't really doing anything with turning it around and making revenue. Evidently, I should have held longer because I sold. I think I was like break even and I was like, man, I'm out of here. Um, I use it every day. So I loved it. That's why I bought it. They are seemingly figuring out some of the advertising, but they face some of these same issues. I would say the exact yeah, same as issues. what Facebook so, has. So if we're con- very concerned about regulatory pressure, yeah. any sort of a new law would, would presumably affect Facebook just the same as it would affect course, Twitter. So yeah. to go, oh, well, forget Facebook for now. Let's move into Twitter if we want that social media exposure you're not necessarily moving away from the risk. The public spotlight right now is on right, Facebook. Right. So maybe that's kind of um, exacerbating their their issues. But Twitter's business model is is very, very similar, yeah. and even out to an, like an alphabet Google. Like it, that's the same type of concern, the same type yeah. of risk. Um, however, if you don't think that's actually a risk, if, you, if you're saying, well, this will blow over and nothing's actually going to change – then I guess it is a buying opportunity. And when you look at, you know, buying kind of Facebook as it's as it's sold off a bit with this story, um, that's buying on the dip. Twitter right now is, is more of a buy for they're finally starting to get things figured out and yeah. the, the stock has really started to take off. Um, what about Snapchat? That's well, kind of a closed universe like we were just talking about with Instagram. So they don't seem to have as many regulatory fears as the yeah, other two. Yeah, that's a good point, definitely. Um, I, I, this might be an ignorant statement, but I feel like my Snapchat knows a little bit less about me than okay. my Facebook. Um, so maybe there that is a little bit like what you were saying, closed environment. Yeah. Um, and I preface that that with this might be an ignorance statement because maybe I just don't know how much Snapchat knows about me. Right. Certainly knows my location and yeah. what I look like and that type of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I guess the concern, my concern with Snapchat is is been the one that people have been talking about since the first day of public trading, which is how does it avoid just getting swallowed up by Instagram? Um, there was, I don't know if you've heard about this, but a few months ago, there was a very polarizing update to the Snapchat yes. uh, user experience. Yeah, I did hear about that. That basically, I don't want to say completely redefined how you interact with it, but it was a major, major change to the app layout. And it. I have not heard one, this is anecdotal, so take it as you will. Um, I've seen many celebrities, I would say at least half a dozen to somewhere in the low double digits of people I follow on Snapchat making an official announcement saying, I don't like this Snapchat update. I'm moving all my snaps to Instagram. Wow. I've seen plenty of my friends talking about it on Twitter in a a not great light. I'll say it this way. And again, anecdotally, I've not seen one. Maybe your friends are just... 
No one Weird. in no one in my <laughs> no one in my social media circle has said anything positive about okay. the Snapchat update. Well, this is something that definitely anyone interested in investing in Snap or who are already investors should be watching for when they do their earnings report this quarter. Absolutely, and I've seen uh, again anecdotal. I've seen a no- noticeable decrease in activity on my Snapchat feed since the update. Okay. Um, however, I've seen some reports that. Snapchat is going even younger than the younger audience that you mentioned for Instagram yeah. and that they're still seeing um, pretty great growth in in that really early teen okay. age demographic. Yeah, and a, and a major update <laughs> for them, for a younger crowd, might not even matter as much because they're newer to the platform right. anyway. So, right. so if that's the core audience, then maybe the yeah. update doesn't really matter. Okay, we'll find out when they report earnings. All of these companies have yet to report their earnings. Of course, um, anything could change with regulation and, and all of that stuff, as we discussed. You can definitely bet that is going to be a question that Snap will have to. Evan Spiegel will yeah. have to answer in the analyst call because uh, if I were if I were on that conference call, that would be the first question I would ask. Okay, let's switch over to China because we've been talking about the regulatory issues here in the U.S., but over there, there really is no regulatory issue. There is, you must do this or you must stop this mm-hmm. by the Chinese government against <laughs> some of their social media companies. So I do have to say, I don't think there's going to be any more articles in the U.S. discussing whether or not Mark Zuckerberg can get Facebook into China. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to ever happen now. And I don't think anyone's ever going to write those articles again, because it was absurd to think it could happen even, you know, a year or two ago when they were writing these articles, if you know anything about the Chinese government and what's going on. But it's even more absurd now that they have their own U.S. regulatory issues and everything that happened in the election and all of this, that they would ever be allowed into China. But the Chinese have their own equivalent of all these companies. So Tencent owns WeChat. That's the equivalent of Facebook over there. You have Weibo, which is the Twitter mm-hmm. of China. Um, you have a couple other like uh, social media-ish ones. I don't even know all the names, but that are like the YouTube of China, all of these other ones that are these sharing platforms. Mm-hmm. And um, these were the companies that were designated the stars of China. These were the ones that the government put their backing behind to say, yes, we want our people to have a Facebook mm-hmm. equivalent too, but we want to be able to control it. Here's the winner, WeChat, Tencent, go make all your money off of it. Yeah. So that's what they've been doing. But now, just in the last week, week and a half, suddenly the Chinese government shut down one of the more popular apps from what I saw. It's like millions of users were on this one. And it was like a comedy you shared jokes and and comedic skits and things and they just completely came in kind of out of the blue and shut it down and um they i think they might have fined the company or something that had put it out saying like you violated the rules of the conditions we give you and they apologized or something but it was like this huge angst it would be like shutting down instagram it sounded like to me because there were people all over weibo then moaning about like what would they do they like spend all their spare time on this and it was it immediately hit all the chinese social media stocks like they like caved down because if they could just shut down this one like out of the blue suddenly and not even just warn them or anything like shut it down what could they do to anyone else they could totally just take away part of their business too yeah so the one that you're referring to the company the parent company is called bite dance okay um 20 billion dollar unicorn um 
And from what I understand, they have a couple of wings, a couple of different things going on. Um, so I want to cite, I, I'm looking at a TechCrunch article from today. It was published this morning. So shout out to- April 17th? Yeah. Shout out to TechCrunch. Okay. For, so they have an update. This uh, is good. Yeah. So uh, forced to publicly apologize for content that degraded the character of the nation. Okay. Um, and the shut, they had to shut down- uh, what you were referring to, the comedy app. Yeah. Um, Nihon Dunzai, I believe is how you pronounce it. Okay. I'm sure wow, I'm butchering that a little bit. Um, <laughs> they also have a headline news app. Um, I'm not even going to give it a shot. Okay. But, uh, they, they had to um, also shutter that oh. for three weeks. Wow. As, okay. as kind of a punishment. And then similar to what we were seeing with Facebook having to bring on more people to censor, they had to increase their number of human sensors from 6,000 to 10,000. Um, so yeah, that's Ugh. bite dance. And and one thing that this TechCrunch article points out, which I thought was really important from our U.S. perspective, is that um, it's not like these companies are just in China and that's it and forever. So okay. ByteDance also owns um, musical.ly. Um, you might just say it musically. Uh, it's a music video application, and according to this TechCrunch article, is used by 14% of American teenagers. Okay. Um, These are the ones where they just own like a percentage of it, though, right? Because Tencent owns like 10% of Snapchat now. Yeah, ByteDance also owns a uh, has a majority share of. Um, oh, sorry, uh, Grinder is majority owned by. Um, a Chinese, a Beijing-based tech company. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's another. Yeah, example I know they've where been they're... buying in some shares of these U.S. companies. Yes, and Grinder is is a gay dating app, which then goes into the the other thing that we've seen develop over yeah. the last couple of weeks is um, the Chinese government really cracking down on LGBTQ yes related content that hit Weibo, which is right. the 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 Twitter like service that you mentioned. Um, and then in a really rare move, they, they reversed they it, right? They stepped away from it. Yeah. That. Yeah. So they were going to They banned have the to... hashtag though, right? Um, isn't it like I am gay or something? That was the hashtag that people were using on the Weibo. I'm not exactly something sure like about, yeah, the trending and yeah. whatnot, but they were going to outright ban, um, violent and gay content from the Weibo service. Okay. Um, and that was, you know, from a direct um, order from the Chinese government. It's the state administration of press publication, radio, film, and television. Right. Um, and then after really loud public outcry, yeah. they they kind of reversed that decision, which is, is not something that happens that very never frequently. Happens. Yeah, that's never done. So that that's a big deal. But um, still, this is this is. An Im impacting event on possibly revenue, again, all the things that matter in these businesses. Now, you can't buy the bite dance here. It doesn't trade on U.S. markets. But Weibo is ticker WB, and Sina owns a big chunk of Weibo. So you can also buy that one, S-I-N-A. But as I said, all of the Chinese, uh, I just lump them in as internet stocks. They mm -hmm. all took a, a hit when all of this stuff was going on because if they can do this randomly to these companies, then it doesn't matter that Tencent is, you know, has a billion users on its WeChat now. Sorry if we want to shut down WeChat because we're concerned that everyone's being too social and creating groups on it, which is apparently 
you know, one of the issues with bite dance, they were concerned that people were like meeting up to talk about comedy or something yeah. like on, on the side, because yeah. these are social media stocks companies for a reason they're social. Yeah. Um, but this is part of the issue that all of these companies are facing is that um, what is the power of, of these kinds of platforms? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's always been a, a risk for American investors that are, are yeah. get, getting in on these tickers that are available here um, is that, you just we have less familiarity with how the government works over right. there, what their power is, what their power isn't. And at any moment, you know, the the situation can change yeah. dramatically for these companies. Um, and that's totally unlike the process that we see here in the United States. So we're just a little bit less familiar with it. Um, and another thing, I think another challenge as well along those same lines is it is always difficult uh, from a cultural perspective to um, kind of forget about your own cultural and societal norms and try to think about another country's or another region's cultural right. and societal norms. So we go into this with a very westernized perspective and a, a very sure. western understanding of free speech on the internet and, and human rights and whatnot. And that's not to say, like, I think human rights violations are human rights violations regardless of where they're happening on, on, on earth. But it's tough for us to go in with our very American uh, norms and then make a judgment about what's going on in China just right. because the value structure is different naturally and the what matters to people and what matters to families and and and, and different age groups is it's a lot different than than here in the United States. Right. So this goes to the old adage you better know what you own. Yes. So if you're going to buy Chinese internet companies um, you better know where do they get their revenue, what are the risks, um, where's the growth going to come from, all of those things. And that being said, I do own Tencent in my own personal portfolio. I did buy it because it, it owns WeChat, among many other things. And so I wanted to own the Facebook of China, but I am aware of the risks. So be diverse out there, everybody, in your portfolios. Don't be heavily weighted in one stock. That's true of Facebook too. I know some of you are like, I love Facebook. I'm buying it from my my daughter's college fund and all that stuff. That's great. But um, be diverse and, you know, um, know what you're doing when you're creating your portfolio, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, and as That's I said, good advice regardless yes, of what uh, you're talking No matter about what now. area you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So um, again, none of these companies have reported earnings yet. So we're going to hear from them coming up. It's a little harder to get the Chinese earnings, but they do report and usually put out a press release, especially the big companies like Tencent. And there are some U.S. analysts who are covering the biggest of the Chinese companies now. I mean, they have to because they're huge. Definitely. So you can get your hands on some of um, that as well. So be sure to check in on that. And if some of them might have conference calls, even in English, I'm not sure though, but if they do, you should definitely try to tune in there and tune into the the U.S. calls because they are quite illuminating. And I have a feeling, as you said, Ryan, they're going to get a lot of questions this quarter that yeah. they might not have gotten in our yeah. prior quarters. So let's just recap some of the tickers we talked about here. So Facebook is FB. Twitter is TWTR. We talked about Snapchat, which is just Snap, S-N-A-P. Weibo is WB. 
We talk a little bit about Sina just because they own Weibo, S-I-N-A, and Tencent is the weird one, um, T-E-C-H-Y is that one. Mm-hmm. Any others? I think that covers I think everything. That is it, yeah. All right, we're going to keep an eye on this topic because I never covered it before, and um, interesting things are happening with these stocks now, so um, this is a place to watch. And if you want to catch all of our shows, be sure to subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, of course, and you can now get us, I'm pleased to announce, on Spotify. Yes, Check us out. Yes, go on Spotify. Um, You can get all of the Zach shows over there on Spotify. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And I'll see you again next time.